Hi, it's me. Listen, before we get into the intro and all of that, um, this may sound weird, and I'll explain why. Um, I have just driven from my, what was my house in New York, across the country into Texas, where I am moving my business. Joanne, the Life Coach LLC, is now a Texas corporation. Yay! And I am in Waco, Texas. So here's the deal. I'm not in my new house yet with my new offices yet. And I am pretty sure that I put my podcasting microphone into my car and not on the moving van. But as I sit here in my temporary residence waiting to close on the house, I can't find my microphone. So I'm talking to you over a little pair of wireless AirPods. It may not sound very good, but this is not for the whole episode. What I've decided to do until I can get my setup going again in about a week from now, I wanted to kind of bring back a previously podcast episode as a kind of throwback replay for you all. So I have picked this episode on how to have a better life because I think it just generally offers you some really inspiring information. Um, a few little bits of housekeeping before we go into it because this was recorded um, quite a while ago. So here are the updates. The WidowCoachingCenter.com, the subscription membership has been launched and opened. I've closed the doors on it now because I am currently serving the members I have in there, um, doing coaching calls with them each month, new videos for them each month. It's really exciting. I love it. The people in there are loving it and making progress on their journey. If you want to know when we reopen the membership later this year, to join. You can get on the wait list. So go to widowcoachingcenter.com and you can click to get waitlisted for when the doors open. And you then you will be the first to know when we are taking in new members to that subscription membership. So ignore what I say on this podcast replay. Right now it is waitlist only. Go get on there. Um, also on this replay, I do talk about the next upcoming widow coaches class, the course that trains you and certifies you as a widow coach. That next class is not what I'm saying. It's an old podcast. My next class is actually starting a week from this Friday as I record this podcast. July 19th, 2019 is the next 12-week course starting. If you think you might be interested in learning life coaching skills, and the way I have used them to help other widows so that you can set up your own coaching practice, reaching out and helping widows. Now's the time to get a hold of me to get in on that July 19th class. I still have spaces open and it is so worthwhile doing, even if you just do it for yourself instead of doing it because you do want to have a business down the road. Doesn't matter to me. Let's get you in there. Reach out to me at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. That's my email. You can email me, say, I need to get on a call and get in on this class 
for July 19th, Joanne, and I will find a time that we can talk about it and I can share more with you. Okay, so on with this throwback episode. Um, I hope it's one that you enjoy listening to. If you listened to it before, I hope you enjoy re-listening to it and gain something from it. And I will be back on live. Cross your fingers in about 10 days, unless I can find my podcasting microphone sooner. (laughs) So I love you all. Bear with me. Come find me on Facebook. Widows Empowering Widows is our Facebook group. I would love to see you there. And now on with this throwback episode on how to live a better life. Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you'll find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows to do the same. This is not a grief group. This is your journey, and it just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of your loss. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of the book Widowed and of The Widow Coach. I'm also a professionally certified life coach. Let the healing and the personal journey back to who you are begin. So welcome back, listeners. I know it's been a minute, but I've been working on some really good, juicy stuff. I'm getting ready to launch that membership site that I've mentioned in the past. Um, It is Widow Coaches. No, (laughs) I just lied. It's WidowCoachingCenter.com. So excited to get that launched. And I've also been talking to a lot of you out there about the January class for Widow Coach Certification. Listen, if you think reaching out to coach other widows and help them might be something that you're interested in doing, and even if you think that you are not yet in a place to be a coach, I hear this all the time. I'm like, I'm still working through so much of my own stuff here on this journey. I'm just not capable of coaching anyone right now. Oh my gosh, get in the class because as I teach these tools, I have you applying them in your own life over a 12 week period. It is three months of freaking amazing transformation. So I'm taking enrollment for the class that starts on January 11th. That's on Fridays for 12 weeks. If you want to get on a call and chat with me about that class and see if it's a good fit for you, go ahead and email me at joanne at joannethelifecoach.com. That's J-O-A-N-N, no E, Joanne at joannethelifecoach.com. So let's get on with what I want to talk about today. Because first of all, oh my goodness, it's only 11 days until Christmas as I'm recording this. I can't believe this year is finishing out so quickly. I'm trying to ship off gifts to family. I am here this year. I'm not flying anywhere which is kind of nice to not be dealing with the airport crowds and flying on the holiday. But today I really wanted to reach out and talk to you about having a better life. I mean, this is so much of what I 
read in all your posts on Facebook, those of you who are posting in the Widowed Book Club. Um, and I know we are all looking to, we're kind of floundering our way to creating a life for ourselves as we start to move through this journey that we've been on since our spouse died. If you're a new widow, you may not even have thought about that yet because you are still one in a state of shock. You honestly go into a physical state of shock when your spouse dies. And that's where widow brain fog comes from. Um, but I think the brain fog lasts longer than the state of shock. I felt like if first I felt like I was coming out of the state of shock. At first I told myself I was okay. Is that good? Like I talked to a potential new employer about 10 days after Jim died and I accepted the job and said I was fine. <laughs> Seriously. And, um, I did take like an extra week before I started that new job. Is that crazy? But I was so scared for not having any income that I was just going to grab that job. And I really thought I was okay. Meanwhile, I'm like walking around in a semi-coma or something. And it wasn't until like, I think it was about six months out that I really began to look at the world around me and think, oh my gosh, I really have just been in such a strange place for the last six months. Even though I thought I was okay, I was still in shock. I was still coming through this shock. And the brain fog and the inability to focus lasted even longer than that. Um, but you will come through it. You will. You don't get over losing your spouse. Forget that. I don't want you anybody to come at me about that. Don't at me. Don't at me on Twitter. Don't at me on Facebook. I'm not saying that you get over the loss of your spouse, but you do kind of move through that loss and you learn things on that journey. One of the things I want to teach you about is the fact that, yeah, you can feel joyful again, even while you're feeling sad still inside. It's like you can experience more than one emotion boy, I know I experienced more than one emotion at a time right after Jim died because my emotions, I'm sure all of you felt the same thing. They were just all over the place. But the truth is, even with that heavy sadness that we're carrying around like a really heavy backpack with us, you can still have moments of joy and happiness, even overlaid over that sadness. But this thing of rediscovering who you are and what you want your life to be now, that's going to come along. So many of um, the widows I've coached, so many of the widows I've taught to become coaches come to me and they say they want, to, they want a better life. They say, I can't keep going on like this because they're just like being a shut-in in their house. They're not moving their life forward in any way. Um they do have this vague idea that their life isn't as good as it could be, or they may feel like their life will never improve. And that's the ones that I just want to reach out and coach more than anybody else. The ones who think this is it. This is how my life is going to be. This is how the rest of my life is going to be. And I want to say, no, of course, you're always going to miss your husband. But the rest of your life doesn't have to be sitting in your living room staring at the walls. 
by no means. So what does it mean to you to build a new life? What would you think your life would look like if you could have a life that's exactly what you want? And if it was a better life, what would it feel like when it's better? Right? A lot of my students think that the way they're going to have a better life is by making their external circumstances better around them. Nobody teaches us how to have a better life. We don't even sit down and contemplate it. We're kind of sold this idea on what it is to be successful or we're sold this idea that if you're successful, it means you're happy or if there's plenty of money, it means you're happy. And we don't even question those concepts, right? So first of all, what does it mean to be happy? Is that the goal of your life? And why is that the goal of your life? I know we lose our spouse. We're deeply depressed after the death of our spouse. And we think that that something is wrong with us. We think that when our doctors offer us antidepressants, that that's what we should have because we shouldn't be depressed. Come on. When you lose your husband, when your husband suddenly dies, your spouse suddenly dies, you should feel a little depressed. <laughs> right? I mean, I had trouble sleeping. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was very depressed. And um, my doctor just kind of like routinely when I saw our family physician wanted to give me an antidepressant and a sleeping aid. And I was like, hold on, hold on, doc. Jim just died. I think I'm supposed to feel depressed right now and have trouble sleeping. And that's okay, because guess what? Jim just died. Now, if I can't bounce back from this at some point, we might talk about antidepressants. And by me at some point, I don't mean in a few months. I mean, if two years from now, I'm still sitting in the dark, we'll talk. <laughs> but, you know, we have this concept of we should be happy all the time. And if we're not happy, something is wrong. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with not being happy. Okay? You could have a better life, and you're still not going to be happy all the time. It's just not going to happen. When we try to make our life better from the outside, that's only going to be temporary. When we try to change our circumstances around us so that we could feel better, we're trying to depend on something outside of us to make us happy. It's possible that we were previously counting on our spouse to make us happy. And maybe they had relied on us to make them happy. So if we try to control external circumstances to be happy, and we are unhappy about our own happiness, right? We make ourselves even more unhappy. We're striving to make our lives better from this place of unhappiness. And we're trying to manipulate the world around us to change our circumstances so that we can feel happy. You have to remember, you can't make your life better from the outside in. 
for any change you want in your life or in yourself. You cannot make that change permanently if you're trying to do it from the outside in. To find out what makes your life better, what helps you move past this, you have to think about what makes it good internally, right? When we think about, um, we want more money or a better job or better relationships with our kids, with our family after our spouse dies. And it's because of what we, how we think we're going to feel if we have those things, right? If our kids become more attentive to us and our needs, or if our friends would like start inviting us to go out with them again instead of all of our friends disappearing after our spouse dies. Or if we suddenly had a windfall of income and we knew financially we're going to be okay, that that would make us happy. We believe that having those things is what makes us happy and it's not. Is that crazy? We try to change the world instead of feeling better first to change our world. And I have a process to make your life feel better, to help you be able to move through this journey. And the best news is you don't have to change anything around you. But when you start doing the interior work for yourself, don't be surprised when a lot of things change around you. Here's the process. This is what I teach in my widow coach training class. And I'm, I'm going to discuss it here with you. The first thing you must be able to do is to learn how to manage fear and failure. Okay. Many of you are suffering, right? Because you, you want to find out who you are now that your spouse is gone and what you're going to do now. And you're just suffering because you're afraid. And specifically, you have a lot of fear around failing at things. So you don't go out in the world. You don't create, you don't contribute the way that you genuine, genuinely would want to, because you're so afraid of failing. You're afraid of making a wrong decision. And when you remember that this is simply a thought, being afraid of failing. Failure is really a thought. You don't fail until you think you failed. If you don't think you failed, then you haven't failed. You just keep going at whatever it is you want from a different angle. Fear is normal. Fear is normal and expected. It actually means go. doesn't mean stop in your current situation. Like, how, what are you talking about, Joanne? Well, I'll tell you. Fear, our fear reaction. You know, when you get that fight or flight? Now, you don't feel fight or flight all day long. But you get fight or flight. And when you encounter a tiger coming down the sidewalk at you, <laughs> that fear means go, run, get away. Right? It doesn't mean stay stuck where you are on the sidewalk so the tiger can come along and eat you. Fear means go. It's a green light. 
So when you are feeling fear, fear of going out of your house, fear of what you are going to need to do on your own without your spouse, fear that you're going to be a bag lady, that <laughs> was mine. I talked about it before. Jim died. I thought I'd be a bag lady in six months. And I just want to let you know that almost four years later, I am not living out of a grocery cart under an overpass. I'm not. Listen, when you are feeling fear about any of that, it's because you're terrified of making the wrong decision. And the fear means that you can move ahead if you can push through the fear, right? And pushing through the fear doesn't mean that you push that fear down. You don't want to stifle your emotions. When you stifle your emotions, they don't leave. They just stay there boiling under the surface. The whole time you're eating pizza so you don't feel so afraid, Maybe that's just me. Maybe you're drinking wine to not feel so afraid, or maybe you're shopping on the internet so you don't feel so afraid. But the whole time you're doing that, that emotion is just roiling under the surface. No, when I say that you can push through the fear, I mean the fear is normal and expected, and you can say, okay, yeah, there's that fear. Thank you, brain. I got it. I know you're trying to make sure I'm safe but we're going to feel this just this afraid and we're going to go do this anyway. Right? Feel the fear and do it anyway. It's like a Facebook meme. I hate talking in memes, but you know what I'm talking about. You will be able to create so much more of what you want in your life if you can learn that fear means that Maybe it's something you should feel and experience and then go do whatever it is you're afraid of anyway. Let me remind you that when you have a better life or when you get f f further ahead in your journey, whatever the metaphor is in your mind of what you believe is, I think it's important to question if you think that means you'll be happy all the time that you'll be joyful all the time, right? If you're able to move ahead through this, and is it going to be a bad thing if you're not happy all the time, right? I think a lot of us have a belief that if we can do all the things that will make our life better, then we can just kick back and coast. And it doesn't work like that. Being a human being on this planet means that you're going to experience fear and failure on a regular basis. It's part of growing as a person, right? If you want to evolve, if you want any personal growth in any way, you're going to be feeling fear and failure on a regular basis. So the first thing I teach is to manage and be comfortable with the sadness, the fear, the failure, because they're not going anywhere. Especially if you want to live some extraordinary new future for yourself. The sadness, we may carry with us always. I talk about it as being like a, a backpack that we've got strapped on that's just always going to be with us. That little bit of sadness. 
you can feel all kinds of other emotions in addition to it. It doesn't preclude happiness for sure. But here's the truth. As human beings, we experience uncomfortable emotions about as often as we experience wonderful emotions. It's the contrast. And it's part of what we need as human beings. It means you're a human being if you feel afraid sometimes. It's being a human being if you feel depressed sometimes. If you feel embarrassed over certain things, humiliated about certain things. It's, you are human. And you wouldn't even know what happiness really feels like if you hadn't experienced the other end of that spectrum, right? You have to have that contrast in experience. We weren't set down on this planet to just feel joyful all the time because we would not notice joyful if we did. I think that the powers that be, the universe, God, whoever it is that you pray to, I think they would be pretty ticked off if we didn't notice joyful when we got to have it. <laughs> right? The only way you're going to notice joyful is if you've experienced Depression, sadness, grief. Okay? So, you want to be able to be comfortable with your own sadness, your fear, all those other emotions that come up that don't feel good. It's like you can allow those. They go, they go off in waves. They come back. They go off in waves. I know, as for, especially for a newer widow, it's overwhelming. There were times that I would see just some simple little thing that would hit me like being punched in the gut. And I would end up curled up on my living room floor in the fetal position crying because the grief was so intense. But that didn't mean that I could not get up and after letting that wash over me, be able to function again because I allowed it. Now, I want to talk about anxiety because many of you tell me you deal with anxiety and know that the anxiety is the fear of feeling the kind of emotions I'm talking about. And after losing our spouse, our feelings are all over the place and it makes us feel out of control, right? Like we're out of control of our emotions and that scares us. We're feeling things that we just can't even comprehend. I know that I was aware because I studied psychology. Um, so uh, before Jim died, I studied psychology. So I was well aware that many people in grief feel anger towards the person that died. And I remember waiting for that anger to come. And thinking, how could I be angry at him for dying? How could I be angry? This is ridiculous. And then somewhere, maybe like eight, ten months out, I got really mad. I got really pissed. And it was there. And then I was really kind of knocked back on my heels. Like, how could I be feeling this when I know it doesn't make sense to be angry at him? But I'm feeling it. So, yeah. 
I had high anxiety about feeling those things and it felt out of control. But if I had gotten anxious, continued to be anxious about feeling the anger, how long would that have gone on? Oh my goodness. But instead of allowing myself to continue to be anxious over the thought that I was angry, I was like layering on the emotions, you guys, layering on the personal punishment, right? I sat down and I just allowed the anger and I thought it through and I tried to track it back to what it was I was thinking about that was making me feel so angry with him. And I was able to move through that and the anxiety left like immediately, as soon as I sat down and just started to really get in touch with the anger, it let go of the anxiety over it. But you know, even before Jim passed away, I know I had high anxiety about experiencing negative emotions. How do I know that? Because I constantly struggled with being overweight for much of my life. And I know that I tuned out those negative emotions by overeating. I mean, you know, cookies always makes sad or lonely feel better, like for about five minutes, <laughs> right? And then sad or lonely is still there. Popcorn and wine can kill all those emotions of stress after work, except the stress isn't really gone. I've just pushed it down while I'm sitting there eating popcorn and drinking wine after work. Then I learned my emotions dissipate quickly if I open myself up to that part of the human experience, the part that isn't comfortable, right? The things that don't go the way I planned or people say things to me that are not nice or something unthinkable happens like your spouse dying. I realized this is just part of life that isn't 100% happy all the time. This is the part of life that isn't joyous all the time. It is what it's meant to be, a human on this planet. Half the experiences we have here on this planet are going to provide contrast to the other half. So my anxiety just dissipates as soon as I open up to it, right? Pain, frustration, worry, doubt, whatever it is, you can just open yourself up to it and stop being resistant to it. You can just feel it. For me, humiliation is like one of the hardest ones. And I have learned to open myself up to humiliation and ridicule and rejection. <laughs> All those, I mean, I'm laughing because it really sounds awful. Like what a good sales job, Joanne. Let's sell them on life coaching by telling them, look, you can feel rejection and humiliation. <laughs> We're going to experience all these wonderful things. Look, you're going to experience these things one way or the other. But learning how to allow it and learning how to manage your thoughts to see what it is you tell yourself that creates those emotions, that's everything. That's everything. It's an amazing way to release so much of the anxiety that we experience on a daily basis, right? The next way you can feel better and start to be able to look at a future for yourself again 
is to stop the blame game. Now, this may sound harsh to widows, but what can I say? I don't think we get a pass because we're widows. I don't. Um, and I get to say that because I'm a widow. I was the one curled up on the fetal position on my living room floor crying. <laughs> right? The victim mentality is really where we think we're at the effect of our lives. We think everything in our lives is happening to us. And we want to blame everything around us for what has happened. You know? Now, there are circumstances for sure that are beyond our control. Our spouse dying was beyond our control. But how we experience it and how we rebuild ourselves afterwards is not something that we're just like at sea hoping happens. That's something that we can do for us. We don't have to be a victim of this. I was just coaching one of my students and we were talking about finding clients as a widow coach. And I asked if she felt she could do this. And she said, I sure hope so. And I said, you know, when you say that, I sure hope so, you're putting the power for that happening into the hands of something that's like out there. It's like you're just hoping for a result instead of owning the fact that you can create it yourself. Right? When we blame, when we fail, when we fail at something or we have something awful happen, we want to blame other people or circumstances, right? Or being busy. Or we can own that failure and learn from it too. If it's something that we failed at doing, first of all, we can tell ourselves that it was not a failure because we're going to try it again. We're just going to see what went right with it and then decide what went wrong with that attempt and what, how we'll try it differently. And if you're thinking about it like that, then you're not even thinking of it as a failure. It becomes a stepping stone, a building block. We can experience our emotions and we can experience frustration and then when we experience personal growth, we can own it instead of blaming other people or circumstances or sitting around waiting to be rescued, right? One of the biggest pieces of owning your own life and being able to move forward in your life again, despite the grief, despite the fact that your husband is no longer right beside you, and he may be right beside you, but that's my spiritual beliefs and it's a whole different thing. But you know what I mean? Making your life better happens in the moment that you claim responsibility for all of your feelings. You have an incredible sense of empowerment and authority over being able to change your feelings or allow them as needed. You can be willing to be vulnerable you can tell the truth even to yourself about what you're experiencing and you own it. You don't beat yourself up for things. You don't blame yourself for anything. You don't blame anyone else for it. You understand it's part of the human experience. 
It takes away so much of the suffering that's completely unnecessary. So many of us are in way too much pain over our pain. It's like we're mad that we're mad. And we're anxious that we're anxious. And if we could drop that part where we're judging ourselves for even having the negative emotion, and we can allow ourselves to just be half negative because that is the human experience. And so much of our suffering about our suffering would be alleviated. You know, when I talk about our suffering about our suffering, it's like, yes, we are suffering. We are suffering in the grief of losing our spouse. But if we tell ourselves how awful it is that we're suffering, we're making it worse. We are suffering about our suffering because we think I should not still be suffering this way. And now I'm suffering that I'm still suffering this way. Do you see how it compounds it? It doesn't mean that you'll no longer be in pain. It just means that you'll have peace and acceptance around the pain that is part of that experience. So I've been teaching a lot about feelings, about emotions, and um, I did that three-day challenge in Facebook on creating confidence, which was really fun to do. And that's one of the things a lot of my students want, right? They want to create expertise and they want to have confidence that, you know, once they're a certified widow coach, they want to have the confidence to go out there and be able to help other widows. They want to develop that skill further and prove it out in the world. And they think that when they do prove that skill out in the world, that then they will experience confidence. But the truth is, one of the things that's required to feel confidence is courage. You have to feel the courage to go out there and reach out to coach another widow once you're a certified widow coach. You have to be able to produce so you can generate the confidence, right? First, you have to have the courage to go out and try something before you can be confident about it. Confidence isn't something that's just waiting in the background until you've developed enough skill that you're like, oh, well, now I'm confident. I can go do this. No, you've got to be afraid first. We're afraid of a lot of things. We'd be afraid first. And then we can say, okay, but I can have the courage to feel that fear and go let it push me forward. Know that fear is a green light. And then you go after it and you do it. And that's how you develop confidence. So, you know, we're not going to be good at all these things that we're trying to do on our own, right? After probably the worst shock we will ever experience in our lifetime, losing our spouse like that. And I don't expect all my results to be perfect. I don't expect to succeed with everything I do. I'm an entrepreneur. I've been building this business for over three years now. And I've learned along the way that I'm going to just fall flat on my face a lot of the time. <laughs> it happens. It happens. It's, I'm not winning all of the time. But it's because that I'm willing to fail that I have the confidence to do this stuff. It's because I'm willing to fail that you're listening to me right now on a podcast. 
I was terrified the first episode that I tried to record and terrified at the thought of putting a podcast out there on iTunes. And if I hadn't had the courage to just look straight down at that fear and say, that fear means go, that fear means I should actually do this, then I wouldn't be here still three years later podcasting to you, right? Because of that, I push forward and I move forward in the world because I'm open to all those experience. Now, another way to feel better in your life is finding your way to emotional adulthood, which is something I teach as part of coaching skills. And it's something a coach can help you work on. We call this feeling responsibility, right? You're taking responsibility for your own feelings. This is powerful, you guys. This is powerful life management. It means you're not at the effect of the world. You become effective at controlling your own emotional life. You own it. All the crappy feelings and all the great feelings. You own it all. And you're not waiting for something outside of you to make you feel better. Because that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Our emotions are something that we create ourselves by our thinking, by the stories we tell ourselves. So when you start owning your own judgments about yourself and other people, and you start thinking in a more deliberate way that create emotions that'll serve your life, you start moving your life ahead. You become an emotional adult. It's amazing. An emotional adult versus an emotional child, which is where most of us are. That's where our parents were. No one ever taught us any differently. But if you watch a little kid, they're not emotional adults yet. And they will blame even inanimate objects for things. My daughter got mad because she couldn't get her shoe on her foot. She was a toddler. She was trying to put on her own tennis shoes, right? And all of a sudden, she threw that shoe across the room and said, dumb shoe. It was the shoe's fault. It wasn't hers. <laughs> blaming things outside of us for our own failures, right? Blaming things outside of us for whatever happens in the world and what we think is happening in our life. So the ultimate way to have a better life is to have better feelings because we want to feel better. And don't hear me say you should feel better all the time. That's the most important first step is to understand that half the time we don't have great feelings. It's the contrast. There's uncomfortable feelings. Every time I try to learn something new, it's really uncomfortable, you guys. If you think about it, it's probably the same way for you. When you have to try to learn something new, it's like, oh, God, it could be excruciating. Especially a new piece of technology. It's like, I don't know how to do this. But once you do it a few times, then it starts to just come natural. And then you're confident with it. And then it's fine. The first step to release your suffering about your suffering 
is to stop being unhappy about your unhappiness, right? You want to own that. You want to say, and you get to choose it. When I say you can control your own emotions, you can manage your mind, it doesn't mean you're going to manage your mind to feel happy all the time. We would not, most of us would not have chosen to feel happy when our husbands died. We weren't like, yahoo, woohoo. No, we wanted to choose to feel terrible about that. And I can choose to feel terrible about that anytime I want to. I can sit down and feel terrible about that. That's my choice. If I hear about somebody abusing their dog, I'm horrified. Horrified doesn't feel great. If I was going to choose to be happy all the time, that means I would have to feel happy even over someone abusing their dog. No, I don't want that. You get to choose to feel how you feel. But in choosing to feel how you feel, that means you're going to own it. You're going to know it's not coming from outside of you. It's not other people making your feelings hurt. It's not your family making your feelings hurt. It's not the circumstances of your life that's making you feel bad. You own it. You are choosing to feel that way and you get to do that right? Just like you get to choose to feel happy. You get to choose contentment. You get to choose solitude over loneliness. That for me was a big one, big one, because I felt so lonesome, right? We do. We're like, oh, I'm so lonely because I'm alone. And then all of a sudden one day I went, wait, being alone isn't an emotion, lonely is how I'm choosing to feel about the fact that I'm alone. And if I get to choose how I'm going to feel, I can choose something different. And that's when I started to realize that, oh, you know what? There's certain parts of my solitude that I really rather enjoy, <laughs> right? That, yeah, there's parts of my solitude that I like. So, and it changes everything. It changes everything. So now, if everyone can agree that the human experience includes all of the ick, and yet we signed up for it, right? And we would again, at the chance to incarnate into your life again and experience everything you've experienced to this point, would you sign up for it again? Did you have some great years with your spouse? Was falling in love with your spouse like an amazing experience? I hope so. I think falling in love is one of the most amazing experiences. Our brain produces such amazing chemicals to flood our body when we fall in love. I think it's incredible. And would I trade that away so I could erase some of the pain? No. It's what I signed up for. It's what I'm going for. I brought a child into this world to experience all of the ick and ugliness and pain along with all of the amazing stuff that she gets to experience in her lifetime. We, go, we come into this world knowing that there's pain out there. And, you know, you can't deny it or pretend it isn't there or buffer it with chocolate chip cookies or shopping or drinking wine. 
right? If you stop trying to dodge the pain, it works through it so much faster, right? There's a primitive part of our brain that thinks pain means death. And our primitive brain does everything it can to keep us alive. It's part of the one of the triads that our brain has going on. It's like an imperative in our brain to avoid pain because pain means death. That's what it used to mean. Like when human beings were first evolving and they were cavemen, if there was something that was going to cause them pain, it meant death. And our brain doesn't differentiate between being eaten by a tiger or just being afraid of applying for a new job. It thinks they're both the same, right? We're going to die. No, we're going to be fine. We're just a little bit uncomfortable. And as we can tolerate our uncomfortable, we're going to be able to move through it. Don't become so used to your misery and your grief that it becomes your new comfort zone because it's familiar and that misery is what you know and you'll stay right there in the misery because now you're afraid of actually feeling happy. Life isn't meant to be happy all the time, but boy, 50% of it should feel pretty great. So let's get out there and start creating some of the 50% of the great stuff too. Don't hide in your misery. Right? It's a beautiful thing, you guys. It's a beautiful thing when you know the reason you're feeling is because you want to feel that feeling. Because you know you're thinking a thought that's creating that feeling. Even if it's a negative feeling, you get to own it. The world is not coming down on you. The world is not causing it for you. It's your interpretation of the world. It's your story about the world. That distinction gives you so much more power in your life. It'll lay out what you're capable of. So I hope this helps. I hope this helps you understand a little more about being able to move forward in your life recreating an even better world for yourself than you're experiencing right now, that personal growth. I know that losing our spouse puts us in a place of such shock and grief and pain, but you can go forward anyway. You really can. So have a wonderful week. If you're listening to this and it's close to Christmas and I haven't said it yet, I want you to have a wonderful Christmas. Don't allow yourself to be miserable the whole day. You get half a day of just savoring some sweet, sweet memories. Bittersweet as they may be, you can still do that, right? So reach out to me if you want to know any more about widow coaching know that the Widow Coaching Center is, actually, it's online right now. It's not perfected for launch, but somebody already signed up and registered, so I might as well put it out there for y'all. WidowCoachingCenter.com. You can go check it out. 
and I will talk to you again real soon.